Life, Hope, and Truth presents The World to Come, What It Will Be Like Written and presented by Eric Jones Produced by The Church of God, a worldwide association The World to Come, What It Will Be Like Jesus Christ will return and reign on earth. But what will the world be like under his rule? What changes will he bring, and what effect will they have? Listen on to discover the amazing truth the Bible reveals about the wonderful world of tomorrow. This booklet was authored by Eric Jones. Contributing writer was Dr. Ralph Levy. Introduction. Is there hope for our world? Quote, Imagine all the people living life in peace. End of quote. These lyrics came from one of the most well-known songs ever, Imagine, written by John Lennon in 1971 during the Vietnam War's unrest and turmoil, urges listeners to envision a world radically different from today's, a tranquil world, a future where greed and hunger have ceased and all humanity lives as one. Few would argue against the idea of such a world, but the question is and always has been, how can it ever be achieved? The song also sees this utopian world being created solely through human effort, but decades after its release, human effort seems to have sunk us only deeper into the mire of division, hatred, chaos, and war. Theories for bringing world peace have abounded. Some have proposed democracy as the key. Others have countered idealistically that socialism will bring paradise. Still others hope that international organizations, like the United Nations, can be the solution. And history chronicles the unending story of empires trying vainly to forcefully impose their forms of peace, but leaving only violence and suffering in their wake. In the end, all empires have collapsed, but not without killing millions of people in the process. Human experience has repeatedly demonstrated the reality of Isaiah's immortal words captured in Isaiah 59 verse 8, the way of peace they have not known. War isn't the only problem we've been incapable of solving. We still grapple with hunger, poverty, disease, terrorism, religious divisions, immorality, hatred, and racism, just to name a few. And beyond those societal issues are the everyday problems people face all over the world. Addictions, marital troubles, family divisions, economic hardships, chronic health issues, hopelessness, and depression. Probably everyone reading this has struggled with at least one of these. Many people can scarcely worry about world peace when they can't find peace in their own homes or minds. Will we ever be able to really solve these problems? Looking at the reality of history and human nature, it seems rather hopeless. Many thinkers see little hope for peace because of proliferating nuclear weapons, increasingly sophisticated warfare, growing hostility and division between groups, fragile economic structures. The challenges seem endless. The truth is, the Bible reveals these problems are only going to worsen. Jesus himself predicted that religious confusion, warfare, starvation, and disease will intensify beyond imagination, Matthew 24, verses 5 through 7, and that mankind will ultimately bring itself to the precipice of total self-destruction, verse 22. 
But he then promised that just at this world's bleakest moment, those days will be shortened. Verse 22. This booklet is not about how bad things are or will be, but we started there to establish this essential premise. Something has to change in order for our world to survive and truly thrive, and the change we need will not come from our own efforts. How about imagining instead the direct intervention of Jesus Christ, who promised to return to this earth to save us from ourselves and begin creating a completely new, vastly different world? How will this coming world of tomorrow be different? How will it be built? What will it be like? The Bible is full of prophecies that reveal God's plan for that future world. He doesn't leave us to our own imaginations. This booklet examines many of those prophecies that paint a spectacular picture of what the Bible calls the world to come, Hebrews 2 verse 5. This message is, without a doubt, our world's greatest and only hope. Chapter 1. The Return of Jesus Christ, the Coming Turning Point Many end-time prophecies describe how bad the world will become. Millions of people will lose their lives due to increasing warfare, religious deception, famine, and disease epidemics. Yet humanity will not be destroyed. Instead, we will be saved from destroying ourselves. In Matthew 24, verse 22, Jesus said, Unless those days were shortened, no flesh would be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days will be shortened. How will humanity be saved from destroying itself? Our Savior, the one who came to earth to make it possible for us to be saved from our sins, will return to rescue us from total destruction. According to Hebrews 9 verse 28, Jesus Christ will appear a second time, apart from sin, for salvation. What will the return of Christ be like? The world Jesus returns to will be a very dark place. The purpose of this publication isn't to cover all the details about the dark time preceding Christ's return. You can read more about those prophecies in our booklet, How to Understand Prophecy. But here's a brief summary of what the world will be like at that time. The environment will be horribly polluted, likely, at least in part, the result of nuclear fallout and the effects of meteorites pummeling the Earth's surface. Fierce global warfare will have killed and traumatized billions of people. Many will be on the brink of starvation. Powerful armies will converge to fight a climactic battle in the Middle East that will likely include weapons of mass destruction so deadly they threaten human existence. But before this battle takes place, something will occur that will stop everything. And it will begin with a sound coming from the sky, not a sound produced by anything man-made, but the ear-piercing blast of a supernatural trumpet. Throughout history, trumpet blasts have been used to get people's attention. This trumpet, blown by an angel, will be like none ever heard. Have you ever been near a bolt of lightning striking the earth, its energy so powerful you could feel it to the core of your being? Such a loud crack can bring grown men to their knees. But the sound of this trumpet blast will be much more powerful. It will grab the whole world's attention. As people cower and cover their ears, they will look up and see the sky open, revealing a glowing and radiant spirit being, followed by a host of other spirit beings. This will be the returning Savior himself, Jesus Christ. 
The sheer power and glory of his presence will cause the heavens and earth to shake and the mountains to quake before him. Joel 3 verse 16, Nahum 1 verse 5. No one in the world will miss this event. Revelation 1 verse 7 tells us, Every eye will see him. Jesus said in Matthew 24 verse 30, They will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. The Apostle John, seeing Christ's appearance in a vision, tried his best to describe what he looks like in glory. Revelation 1 verses 14 through 15 says, His head and hair were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes like a flame of fire. His feet were like fine brass, as if refined in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. When he returns, Christ will look nothing like how people have commonly pictured him, which will likely cause some confusion about who this actually is. Christ's first act, the resurrection of the faithful. After that powerful trumpet blast, something truly miraculous will begin to occur. Around the world, those called by God in this lifetime who have died over the centuries will awaken from death, coming from their graves in glorified bodies and rise into the air. People dead for thousands of years, people like Noah, Abraham, and King David, will live again. And not just those notable names from the Bible, but all of the faithful throughout the ages. The Apostle Paul described this resurrection this way in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 51 through 52. We shall not all sleep or die, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. At this moment, these faithful people will be born into the spirit family of God as his glorified immortal children. It is what the Bible calls the first resurrection. Revelation 20, verse 6. Imagine thousands of people rising out of the ground, having been changed from dust to immortal spirit. And it won't just be the dead. God's faithful who are alive will also rise into the air and be glorified. Together, both groups will rise to meet the Lord in the air. 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 17. It will be a family gathering like no other. But what happens next? Why Christ will make war before peace. After this resurrection, attention will then turn to the earth to which Christ is descending. John described the armies of the earth uniting to fight the returning Christ. Revelation 19 verse 19 says, And I saw the beast, the kings of the earth and their armies, gathered together to make war against him who sat on the horse and against his army. Satan will delude them to believe they can somehow challenge and stop these powerful beings descending from the sky. So instead of welcoming Jesus as their Savior, a group of nations will launch a counterstrike against him and his saints. This is why the returning Christ will go forth and fight against those nations as he fights in the day of battle. Zechariah 14 verse 3. See also Revelation 19 verse 11. The only thing these arrogant, God-defying armies will understand is overwhelming superior force. So he'll come wielding a sharp sword, that with it he should strike the nations. He himself treads the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. Revelation 19 verse 15. He'll first defeat the governmental and religious heads of these armies, then easily destroy the rest. 
Zechariah provided a gruesome description of how these human armies will fall in Zechariah 14 verse 12. Their flesh shall dissolve while they stand on their feet, their eyes shall dissolve in their sockets, and their tongue shall dissolve in their mouths. The scene of millions of people literally melting where they stand will be a stark lesson to humanity that Jesus Christ is all-powerful and cannot be challenged. Does that sound cruel? Consider first that Jesus prophesied that he will have to do this to destroy those who destroy the earth, Revelation 11 verse 18, and that unless he intervened in such manner, no flesh would be saved due to the cruelty of man. In order for warfare and suffering to end, those who wage war and cause suffering must first be defeated in the most decisive manner. Yet, as we will see, the Bible shows that God will give them a chance to repent later. This massive display of supernatural power will so frighten people that they will try to hide in utter terror, according to Isaiah 2 verse 19. This will break their pride and humble them before God. Verse 17, The loftiness of man shall be bowed down, and the haughtiness of man shall be brought low. The Lord alone will be exalted in that day. Recognizing Jesus Christ's limitless power will be the first step to learning to fear and honor Him as their God. By watching this display of power, the whole world will learn the answer to the questions posed in Nahum 1 verse 6, who can stand before His indignation, and who can endure the fierceness of His anger. The answer is definitive and undeniable. Nobody. But rebellious human beings won't be the only opposition Christ deals with when he returns. The adversary captured and imprisoned. The armies trying to challenge Christ will be under the influence of another being. The Bible calls him the devil and Satan who deceives the whole world, Revelation 12 verse 9. This fallen angel and his demons are a primary source of our world's troubles. Before his fall, Satan was a mighty archangel who served God but pride and lust for power led him to organize an angelic rebellion against God. Though he understood God's superiority as well as anyone could, he became so deluded that he actually convinced himself he could overthrow his creator and take his throne. Isaiah 14 verses 13 through 14. God quickly and easily defeated his attempted rebellion, and in Luke 10, verse 18, Jesus described seeing Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Satan's violent rebellion occurred before the creation of mankind. Since that time, he has been confined to this earth, but his hostile attitude toward God never changed. Paul identified him in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 4 as the God of this age because his influence has provoked the violence, suffering, deception, and evil this world has experienced. So he and his demons will have to be dealt with immediately. After Christ crushes the human armies, he will send an angel to capture and imprison the rebel spirit beings. John described this future event in Revelation 20 verses 1 through 3. Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, having the key to the bottomless pit, and a great chain in his hand. He laid hold of the dragon, that serpent of old, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. And he cast him into the bottomless pit, and shut him up, and set a seal on him, so that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years were finished. 
This confinement will render Satan completely powerless to influence anyone for 1,000 years. This reference to Satan's 1,000-year banishment is significant because it's the first time the Bible defines a time frame of Christ's initial rule after his return. The Old Testament contains hundreds of prophecies about this time, but not until this verse at the very end of the Bible are we given the length of time that Christ will rule over the human inhabitants of the earth who survive the climactic end time. This period, the 1,000-year reign of Christ, is often called the millennium, from the Latin word mille, meaning thousand. Immediately after Satan and the demons are imprisoned, the millennium will begin. So one of the first things we learn about this millennium is that Satan will be gone, and his absence will be a major factor in allowing a new and better world to be built. What does the Bible tell us about the various themes of Christ's millennial reign and the effects they will have on people over time? We'll begin exploring this in the next chapter as we look at the foundation upon which this new world will be built, the government of the kingdom of God. Sidebar. Are the millennium and the kingdom of God the same thing? The millennium and the kingdom of God are strongly connected, but they aren't the same thing. The kingdom of God exists right now, with its throne in heaven where God and Jesus Christ reign. When Christ returns, he will establish that reign on earth. The millennium is the first 1,000 years of that reign on earth, the period between the binding of Satan and his temporary release. During this 1,000 years, the kingdom will rule over this earth, but not everyone living during the millennium will be in God's ruling family, which is the kingdom of God. Humans will be its subjects, but humans cannot inherit the kingdom while they are flesh and blood, according to 1 Corinthians 15 verse 50. The major distinction between the two terms is that the millennium is temporary, ending after 1,000 years, and the kingdom of God is eternal and will have no end, according to Isaiah 9 verse 7 and Daniel 7 verse 18. Thanks for listening. For the next chapter of this booklet, continue with episode two of The World to Come, What It Will Be Like.